but she got groupies. She ain't no actress, but she make podcasts. And when she's just that thing around, everybody be breaking their neck like, who that girl, who that girl, who that girl. Deep Breath Podcast. I would like you to close your eyes for a moment. Unless you're driving or walking your dog. Because that would be dangerous. I would like you to close your eyes. Take a deep inhale. And a peaceful exhale. And picture in your brain. Warmer times. And chiller vibes. Because right now. Mother nature. Is not giving her best work. She's not being kind. She's not being warm. In fact, she is in her revenge era, I believe. I saw a meme that said, if the temperature is younger than me, I'm not going outside. I'm sorry. And that's about how I feel right now. And I feel that the age of 30 is a really good time to pull that quote out there. Understand? Because if you're in your 50s or 60s, that's an okay temperature. I would say even in your 40s, this time of year, we would in fact be thriving. But 30 and below, single digit temps. If the temperature could be in elementary school right now, we don't want anything to do with it, okay? That's how I'm feeling this week. I believe we are finally on the upswing as we are here on Thank God It's Tuesday. One, two, three, two, four. I feel that that number might be significant to somebody out there. There might be some hippy-dippy shit like, you know, today's date is one, two, three. People love that shit. Why do you love that shit? I don't know. Is it a mercury thing? Is it a sign thing? Astrology? Numbers? Pi, uh, 3.1412 something. I don't really understand why people fall in love with certain dates in their significance. But 12324 ain't too shabby to start off the week here. Thank God it is Tuesday. Welcome back to another episode of the Botanista Show. It's me, Taylor, Miriam, Rayo, your Botanista. And I know nobody asked me, but I cannot stress enough how much I did not need to know that King Charles has an enlarged prostate, okay? I have so many news alerts and updates that get on my phone on a daily basis. New York Times, NBC, local reports. I am the news. I love the news. However, the words enlarged prostate just coming across your screen in the middle of the day when you are minding your own GD business, I was floored. I was appalled. I had to Google how to spell the acronym HIPAA so that I could go on the internet and ask the audience, does the UK not have HIPAA, the law that protects medical information being shared with people that you do not consent it to be shared? If I'm King Charles, the older you get, the more insecure you are, right? You need a little bit more assistance. Your hearing goes, your health is on the decline in one way or another. You're already feeling like the odds are against you and that you might want to keep some things close to the vest as the Brits are known to do. And then to know 
that a news alert is being broadcast to millions of people, not even in your home country where it's already been broadcast, but over here in the United States, I just can't imagine. I think there's so much you have to let go at that point because that is out of his control. Maybe he doesn't even know that that happened to him. But to be on the receiving end of a message like that, that I did not really sign up for, so to speak, it's too graphic. I understand we always want to know what happened to this celebrity, even in your own community, when tragedy strikes. You like to know the root cause just in case you know, it's something that you could perhaps learn to prevent in your own life to be like, oh man, this was the cause of death. I got to get into shape. Oh, I got to, you know, be careful driving or whatever the reason may be. But an enlarged prostate is just too visual, too graphic. I didn't need to know that King Charles. And now the guilt is on me. Like I feel guilty for knowing that. I feel guilty that I live in a culture where we want to sign up for news alerts like that. I'm stressed. I'm stressed for him. They said it's benign. Within that same hour, Princess Kate is also undergoing treatment for like abdominal pain. Too much information. And I love, I love information. I love water. I love information. Thank you for allowing me to take my first sip. So King Charles, my heart goes out to you, my man. If you're listening, and I know that you are, you have plenty of time in your current state to stream a podcast, maybe boost some of the UK listens of the buttonies to show. I don't even want to Google what an enlarged prostate is, but I feel that there's enough context clues to make me understand that it's not something that you would want to happen to yourself, your worst enemy, or the king of another country. So here we are on a another miserable Tuesday slash Monday. I'm recording this on Monday, obviously in upstate New York. This week, the Capital Region News really kind of took center stage for me, I believe. Last week on the podcast, we talked a lot about some of the recent cult documentaries that I've been watching, circling the fact that Natalia Grace of a different documentary is located in Clifton Park. I might reach out to her and see if she wants to have an interview. I think if she's truly living here in Clifton Park, New York, this could help me get on the map. A little sit down with Natalia Grace, no pun intended, sorry, did not mean to be disrespectful for the under five foot community, which I am a part of by saying that, but a little sit down with Natalia Grace, I might slide into her DMs. As I mentioned, I previously followed her before she got too big and her Instagram grew up or became private. So I have that little card up my sleeve right now and I'm not afraid to play it. I'm not, I'm not afraid to play it for some views and a little investigative reporting so that my world can go a little deeper with the things that I am most interested in. There were a couple of new documentaries that I streamed this week that I will mention, but in terms of news popping off In the capital region where most of you listeners live, of course, where I am, was potentially the making of another great cult that we don't even know exists yet. And that is one patient's childbirth located allegedly in Saratoga Springs, New York. I have known for a long time that the Saratoga Springs City Council meetings are unruly. 
They are often the subject of media and news coverage here in the 518 for a variety of different reasons. It seems as though it could be a little bit of a free-for-all. Of course, council meetings are a place where people can go and voice their opinion to the public about you know, social or political issues, probably construction and things of that nature. Or they can just basically, for lack of a better word, waste people's time. And when my business partner, Jack, sent me a video earlier this week of a woman dressed in a red, little red riding hood-esque cape speaking to the council meeting by saying that her name is Patience Childworth, Childbirth, I was out of my mind watching this. I watched this video so many times. I still haven't stopped watching it because I I can't really figure out if this woman who did this is for real or if she's joking. So let me play for you just this clip, a snippet in case you missed it of her appearance at the, the Saratoga City Council meeting. Your Lords. My name is Patience Childbirth. I live in one of the stables in Saratoga, owned by the king who imprisons his daughters. Google it. It's real. He invested $60 million into our city. Your lords. Apologies. Not all of you are lords. Some of you are lordesses. I am not allowed to own land in Saratoga because I am a woman. And I live in a stable owned by a king. Well, thank you. That was pretty good poetry. So she gets cut off by the brand new mayor who just got into office officially on January 1st. But she's basically trying to tell this story about a, a man, a very rich man who spent like $60 million on a property in Saratoga. Then she says she's a woman and she can't own land. She lives in a stable. I love a good Impractical Joke. Impractical Jokers, as many of you know, is my favorite show on television. I have logged my 10,000 hours of Malcolm Gladwell practice on watching The Impractical Jokers, I swear. I am consumed by it almost as much as I am by documentaries and cults, perhaps even more, of course, because it's easy background listening and watching when you're putzing around the house, okay? If this is an impractical joke, understood. The only thing that got me, which makes me think and lean more towards that it is an impractical joke versus a serious you know, kind of plea to to the area to listen to her and her story and Google it because she says that it's real, is she breaks character about halfway through. Somebody in the crowd starts to laugh and she joins in and she breaks a little bit. And as a viewer, it totally took me out of it. On Saturday Night Live, actually, one of my favorite things is when they break character and when they laugh, especially because, you know, they're famous people, they're comedians, and you're watching it. And as soon as you realize that they realize what they're saying is so funny or so ridiculous, and they start to kind of break and laugh a little bit, maybe another one of the cast members cracks up, one of the guests or uh, hosts cracks up. That is actually one of my favorite moments there. In this instance, it totally took me out of the experience. I wanted to believe so bad in whatever patient's childbirth was saying. I didn't want her to laugh. I wanted her to continue 
bowing and nodding and cursing and all the shit that she was doing because I want her to get her point across. Now, the next Saratoga City Council meeting is happening on January 30th. I am dying to know if she returns because this could be the making of something epic here upstate. If she has followers, a lot of people were referring to The Handmaid's Tale, which I've never seen. I don't really know what that show is all about, but I think a little bit of her inspiration had to come from there. But I have always said, I said it last week, I'll say it again, real life is stranger than fiction. And maybe I could be part of some of the channeling of a bizarre energy making its way here to the Capital District because of all the things, all the threads that I've been following in my own life. But holy shit, what was that? And if you want to take it seriously for a second, I think the thing that is actually kind of, I don't want to say sad about it, is like, what a waste of time. You know, I feel like we've all seen the show Parks and Recreation, public service, community, things like that can get a bad rep as being super boring or not worth your time to attend or not able to actually create change because of all the red tape and bureaucracy and things like that. That is a great example of wasting someone's time. This mayor has been on the job for three weeks and within three weeks, probably his first city council meeting, maybe a second, I don't know, you have to stand there and listen to someone like that who clearly would have continued talking for way more than three minutes, you know? And I just don't know what the point of creating a spectacle like that is, if not for the show and Practical Jokers on True TV. I actually don't know. But that was one of the most interesting Capital Region stories I think we heard this week. We don't uh, often talk about local necessarily news on this show, but that one kind of falls in line with where I've been where I've been having my head at lately. So I had to take a few minutes to shout out Patience Childbirth. If she wants to come on the show as well, I would love to line up a great series of interviews with very interesting people here in our own community because I think that could be something that levels up the show a little bit and allows us to dive deeper into some of the things that we see out there in the world that really make us go WTF, all right? The only other thing that really happened in my world this week, what I did for the Botanista show, a little different than the Clark Museum, I will say, after reviewing that video, even though I think it was great, it was educational, that's not really my bag, baby. Museums, not really my thing. I think we still did a nice public service by going out there and documenting that it's free, that it's a cool place to go. But in terms of me doing something every week that I really want to come here and talk about, that's probably not my peak thing. It's not very exciting. It's not something that, you know, I will remember forever or necessarily be like super proud to have put out into the world. Again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a little soft. It's a little PG for me. So this week I decided to set my sights a little bit higher. I went to my first ever reptile convention. This might surprise some of you, but I have wanted to go to a reptile convention since roughly the year 2011. Let me set the scene. Speaking of Saturday Night Live, Kyle Mooney, who is a cast member on SNL for many years in the recent-ish times, I think he probably left maybe one or two seasons ago. He's sort of the short guy with the curly hair and glasses sometimes. He's a very unique character. He used to make these YouTube videos 
in like the 2010, 2012 era with actually Beck Bennett, who was also a SNL cast member for a while. He left maybe one or two seasons before Kyle did. They were, to me, sort of my prime internet content. A lot of us grew up in the era of figuring out the internet and videos on websites like eBombs World. I remember I had dial up as a kid, but my friends that had internet and had home offices with computers and the whole nine, when we were in, you know, fourth to seventh grade, going to their houses, a snow day in particular, brings back vivid memories. And, you know, maybe spending a little bit of time playing outside in the snow, doing our thing, but getting back in holding ourselves up in that home office and getting on eBombs world and watching classic internet videos. This could have even been pre, I guess they, I can't say predated YouTube, but I assume maybe YouTube was the host of the videos, but you know, some of the classics, the shoes video, the honey badger. There's so many that my brain can't even remember because I think they decreased the amount of capacity I have in my brain from watching such stupid videos all the time for hours and hours on end. But that was prime. That was pre-TikTok. That was pre-learning how to dance for the camera and look sexy at age 14. This was us, ugly as all hell, braces, skirts over our jeans, you know, aggressive, very aggressive side parts, holding up in the home office watching classic videos. And I feel like that established not my entire sense of humor, but a good part of my sense of humor in terms of what I feel is the most funny to me. Just kind of pure nonsense, chaos, not taking yourself too seriously and being just really silly. I don't like things that are super complicated. I'm able to latch out to something completely stupid and find it funny, but also not too stupid. I don't know. There's a weird balance. But if you grew up in that era that I did, you know the type of videos that I'm talking about. So Kyle's videos in like my early college days reminded me a lot of the content that we used to watch back then. Very awkward. I think that's definitely a, a humor that I like. It's kind of similar to the Impractical Jokers of just, you know, putting people on the spot, seeing how they react. We do a lot of made on the streets on Two Buttons Deep, and some people can find that content totally cringe. They feel bad for the person on the receiving end of the questioning, but I love that shit. So Kyle did a video called Reptiles in 2011 where he was playing some version of himself, some character, and he went to a reptile convention and asked the most ridiculous questions. He talked like he had marbles in his mouth. You could not understand a word he was saying, and that made the dialogue and the conversation so funny. And above all, there's reptiles there. Reptiles, not something you see every day here in upstate New York or wherever Kyle was when he filmed this video. So my friends and I had inside jokes about it in college for years. We would pick out phrases from the video. It was just a classic for me. So as soon as I got into the content game and videos in particular, I've always had a reptile convention on my radar. Makes sense now. And for some reason, there's one here in Saratoga like every single year, at least the past four years, if not longer. So we had a couple other things potentially on the docket. We thought about going out to Buffalo for the Bills game, which, you know, did I know that it was going to end the way that it did for the Buffalo Bills? No, but I had an inkling. Uh, 
I'm not a Bills fan, but we did a video where we went and did the Bills experience a few years ago, and we just had the best weekend in Buffalo in general, tailgating, seeing all the classic Bills characters. You guys sort of uh, gave us all this user-submitted information in terms of where we should go to explore in the city, so we hit up all the best you know, food spots, wings, uh, you know, little shops, things like that. Everything we did when we went out out there was kind of user generated by our followers. So we plan to do something like that again. But just given the frigid cold, the fact that the game isn't the most interesting part. Once the game's over, it's over. So we were just going to really tailgate and run it all back. And we really felt that there was potentially more possibility in creating great content at the reptile convention than going to the Bills game. So it was a little bit of a bummer because I like an adventure. I love a road trip. I want to keep pushing the envelope and really creating some crazier content. So staying locally can feel a little binding, but I had a very good feeling and intuition that once we walked into that reptile convention, it would be content gold. Now, because of the Kyle video, I wanted to channel a little bit of a different energy and kind of be a little bit more of a character of myself. Of course, I'm very outgoing, outspoken, but I wanted to dial it back. I wanted to sort of meet these people where they were at and just take it all in, you know, just kind of keep the line of questioning very simple, maybe, you know, pet some reptiles, see what people are liking about the experience. I had to have a few beverages before, no doubt about it. This is not something that you can just go stone cold into, I don't think. Shout out to Harvey's, best Bloody Mary in Saratoga. If you don't know that by now, you should know. The Bloody Mary at Harvey's was so good that they give you a full pickle as the garnish. They brine the pickles in their own pickle juice with a bunch of spices in there. It's like really spicy and liquidated it's moist it's pickle juice it's like you know it's like a it's lubed up I guess it's a really lubed up pickle the pickle was so good that even though I was a one and done on the Bloody Mary I was like can I please have another pickle I just need to need to have a little bit more of what was going on there followed up by a Guinness the best pour of Guinness in Saratoga Springs if you don't know now you know Harvey's also the official Bill's backer bar Harvey's has a lot going for it, and I knew that was the place that I needed to start my Sunday morning just to get out on the right foot, to get a little bit of liquid courage before the reptile convention, and because I left my credit card there the night before. So a real trifecta of things. I accomplished a lot at Harvey's before I went over there. Let me say this about the convention as an overarching thing. Speaking of all the videos and all the things that I just referenced, I don't, I don't ever like make fun of people. We might be cheeky. We might poke fun at things, but what I love, you know, when people say I love love as we're getting into Valentine's day territory, my phrase, and I've said this and I mean this, I love what other people love. I do not care what you are passionate about in life. And I'm taking, I'm saying this very seriously. I love when people are into something. If it's different than me, if it's not what I like, I don't care. I love when people have passions, hobbies, interests, and they pursue them and they pursue them with authenticity and without fear of judgment, okay? I mean that with my whole heart. So when I go to different experiences, 
I try to put myself in their shoes and learn as much as I can about what other people love. Of course, as I've mentioned before, the content sort of starts to create itself. Of course, you are going to run into characters at events like these. But as an overarching theme, I love having experiences that I would never have otherwise if this weren't my job. I believe I talked about this a little bit when I went to WWE Monday Night Raw at the Times Union Center, sorry, MVP Arena. That was the way I felt there. I wanted to experience someone's coolest, best, ideal Monday night, being there, watching what was going on in that ring, and transporting myself into another fan base. Same thing goes with concerts, sporting events. I'm not the sportiest girl in the world, but I would happily tailgate at the Buffalo Bills game. I would happily, you know, go see any real life sporting event just to know what it's like. I want to go to a rodeo. Like I'm here for the experience. So the fact that I could find myself in a room with all of these reptile enthusiasts was a wonderful learning experience for sure. I did minimal research. It was held at the Saratoga Springs City Center. Not the vibiest place. I'm not going to lie. I feel like they, they, city centers in general, I think we need to upgrade. We need, we need to rebrand. Just like we rebranded the Iowa caucus last week to the Iowa pregame. You can't, you can't get your nipples hard for a city center. Do you understand? Like the Albany Capital Center in Albany. Beautiful, I guess, by corporate America standards. A lot of money went into it. But I'm never going to be looking at an event page and going, oh, fuck yeah, it's at the blank city center. My nipples are hard. And when my nipples get hard, I love it. I am jazzed. Like, I love to say, my nipples are hard thinking about this because I think that is a sign of affection. That is a sign of true excitement or arousal in some cases. So you know what I mean. If something makes your nipples hard, it's a good thing. City centers typically don't. Inside the reptile convention, it's packed. It's wall to wall, baby. From strollers to toddlers to, you know, kids and families to full-blown adults Uh, definitely one for all ages. The first thing I saw upon arrival to the reptile convention, and if you're a reptile enthusiast, you would know this is a thing. Just like freezers on freezers of freezers of dead rats and mice. That is what snakes eat. Snakes are reptiles. I've just never seen like, it was so casual, you guys. Like, it was the most casual setup I could imagine. It is Ziploc bags. We're not, like, upgrading. It's not industrial strength. It is, like, Ziploc brand name with just dead, frozen, like, airtight-packed mice and rats. Some of them were, I'm not going to lie, the size of my pinky finger, like they were babies. They were fresh out of the oven. Some were full size. They come in like packs of 50, 25. And people were looking at them like they were at the meat counter at Fred the Butcher, like asking simple questions, um, you know, just kind of some housekeeping, some care instructions, things like that. This is where you go to stock up on your meat for your snake. And that in and of itself 
was very interesting to me, just how it's a nothing thing. I don't want to get too graphic, like King Charles's prostate, but they actually like they gas the 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 mice and the and the rats to to kill them. I don't like that. I don't think that's nice. They raise them basically just to kill them for food. And I know rats and mice are not necessarily the nicest animals, but it just doesn't seem that fun to me for for that to to be their unfortunate end. I do know this from sitting next to a snake in second grade. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was not second grade. It was like 10th grade. 10th grade, Mrs. Moore, science class, Shenandoah High School East. Let's say the year is 2009. It is. I'm sitting next to a snake for an entire year. I can't believe I did this. I feel like I need a badge of honor for that. But I sat next to a snake. I don't remember his name. And I knew what we did was feed that that snake a full mouse once a week. Now, you can do it live. I kind of feel like that's what my science teacher did, but for a number of different reasons, doing it when it, the snake is uh, the snake is alive, the mice or rat is dead is obviously a little logistically easier, and I think it's easier for the mouse or for the snake to eat. They only eat one a week. So I assume one Ziploc bag could get you through the year, which is why the reptile convention only happens once a year. So that was absolutely shocking, something I've never seen. Every time I go to New York City, I purposely look for a rat. It's like I love seeing animals in their natural habitat. So to me, because I don't go to New York City that often, seeing a rat in the subway is like, you know, turning the page in a children's book for me. It's like, of course, rats in the subway. A squirrel eating um, a nut or stuffing acorns in his mouth for the winter. Those are things I love to see. When a rabbit is just bouncing up in the air, up and, up and down, that's something a rabbit should do. I love seeing animals in their element. A spider making a web, fantastic. I love all of it. Give me all the cliche animal stereotypes there are out there. So that was part one. Part two, lots of different snakes. A ball python is slang. They just call it balls balls so all the brands there are like nice balls big balls cool balls I'm like this is a little cheeky for me kind of up my alley I learned a lot of things from snake owners they breed them they were all very proud to tell me that snakes have male snakes have two penises uh maybe something that you do know that is stored away in your brain whatever's left of it from watching youtube videos as a kid that was something everybody was very proud of they couldn't wait to tell me that i don't know why i didn't get to see any but that is part of how they breed i didn't ask too much about the mating process but there were so many snakes in there they just keep them in these little glass boxes range of prices really i feel like you could buy a 40 dollar snake $200 snake. They get quite big, spoiler alert. Uh, so a lot of like little ones in there. I got to hold one for a second. She was a girl, uh, Lucy, Lucy Blue or something. They have unique names, unique breeds and prides all over. Scaly girls, scaly guys. A lot of girl snakes though there, I would say for sure. Got to hold a snake. I uh, got to have a tarantula crawl on my fingers. That was very funny. It felt like it was just like like, you know, like the pads of your fingers, that's kind of what it felt like, just like tiptoeing all over my hands. That was really bizarre. There were some hedgehogs there. I didn't really feel like they fit in because I don't think hedgehogs are reptiles. Oh, we had cages. We had big wooden sticks that they like to climb on. We had some bullfrogs. We had uh, a big reptile with a top hat, which I feel was very much the star of the show. So, 
I can't wait to show you guys this video all in all. I don't want to give it all away, but I think I channeled a really good energy. I felt though I looked, I learned a lot and I had fun. Those are three really important things to me. I met one woman on my way out who works for the city center. She has 79 reptiles in her house. It's a different way of life, folks. It is totally different. The one thing, and as I said, judgment-free zone, very happy these people are out doing what they love, having these reptiles in their home. What I don't understand in terms of the fulfillment side is, you know, I've long documented my journey into becoming the dog mom that I am today from, you know, not really being a dog person at all to, of course, understanding all the true actual benefits and relationship that we can have with dogs, you know, animal to human. The thing with snakes, every single person there told me, you know, they're not social. All of these reptiles basically live in isolation, like the, the snakes, the tarantulas, the uh, reptiles. Why can't I think of iguanas, things like that? These four-legged little guys, they don't like to mix and mingle. So it's not like, you know, you're taking the snake out of the cage and playing with it regularly. It's not like they require a lot of maintenance, so maybe that's part of it. They are beautiful. You know, some of them have crazy colors and are so unique. But I guess the one thing that I didn't really fully understand by after leaving is what is the what is the purpose of bringing these into your home? They're not from here. I mean, they are from Africa. They are from other parts of the world. They do not thrive in this climate, as you can imagine, which I can relate to very much so. So I just, I don't really know if that the juice is worth the squeeze. I understand they're cool and they're unique and they're different, but in terms of living with something like that on a day-to-day basis, you know, I just don't know. And they're sneaky motherfuckers, the snakes. People told me that. There's a reason why, you know, there's a popular phrase, you know, that we call people in life snakes because they are sneaky. Like if you think cats are sneaky cheeky, if a snake gets out, they could be missing for months. When I was in college, um, uh, people that lived a couple doors down from us were missing their snake for like three weeks. My fiance's friend, he also had a snake missing in his house for a number of weeks. My parents at some point had an iguana. That was my dad's thing. Uh, and that bit him pretty bad one day when my mom was away for work. These animals are not your friends, you know? Like, we had fish tanks growing up. My dad was really into the fish tank for some reason. We had some, like, small, you know, little gecko type of things at one point. Uh, again, not my choice. Like, I did, I did welcome a number of different animals into my house as a kid, but I think that was more like my dad kind of living out, like, what he would consider to be, like, a country country boy dream after living in Boston for most of his life. I don't really know. But the connection between human and snake is just not as rich as human and dog. Let's put it that way. But overall, 100% worth it. I had fun. I felt like everybody was really kind and respectful to me. You know, it's not easy going up to people randomly and catching them off guard and asking them questions. I had no bad interactions. And I felt like people really kind of uh, they obliged, you know, they, they humored me, they gave me information, they, you know, let me kind of do my thing. So it was very fun, very different and unique. The thing that I have coming up this week is I would say something my, if I end up going through with it, 
I might be doing something painful this week. That's the only teaser that I really could give. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know if I'm going to, I definitely won't be able to have a drink before it, which is a deterrent, no doubt about it. But if I do what I think I'm going to do this week for next week's button needs to show, let me just say, I think the haters are going to be thrilled to watch me go through this experience that I might have. So way to me, way scarier than holding a tarantula. I really held my own at that reptile convention. So continuing to just level up and let the experiences come my way. Stay tuned for the video content from the reptile convention coming up this week on the Botanista Show Instagram page. Alrighty, now just a few random housekeeping things. My two documentaries of the week that I would like to bring forth to you. Many of you, I feel, have already seen this one because it was number one trending on Netflix. American Nightmare. It is a three-part documentary about a couple who documented a kidnapping that the female partner went through. She was abducted out of her home in the California Bay Area, held for 48 hours, and when she returned, and she relayed this story along to authorities, they did not believe her. Let's just put it that way. They felt as though she told a completely unbelievable, truly unbelievable, not just unbelievable story and what that meant for this couple moving forward and what the media did to them during this process of it all coming out into the press. The second one, another really good one and must watch Murder in Boston. That one's on HBO. Kind of the same thing, you know, as a media person, I believe that, you know, I love the news. I love the media. I read it. I'm invested in it. As I always say, as I said 15, 20 minutes ago, 36 and 51 seconds ago, it still though blows my mind. And I think a lot of us feel this way with the media and everything, the way of the world now, even the way of the world back then, the murder in Boston took place in 1989. This American nightmare was like, you know, 2015 or 16 or something. It is crazy what the media can do. The power that they have in their narratives and storytelling, whether you could look at it in these situations of they were just going off of what they were being told by authorities and the police, or how they can just kind of pick up on something that is very popular and run with it. The media is such a beast. It is the biggest reptile of them all, I feel. It is so complicated And especially now with social media, I don't have to get into it all of just like how you really have to think for yourself and how you really have to like take a breather before you make a judgment. I just got scammed last week on the internet, not the media, but again, moving too fast and too quick. I've always said I think it's important to watch and read and consume news from different outlets just to see different perspectives and see how it's being covered in different ways. But these two real life stories are basically, they basically live and die by the media and how the media can portray something based on, again, information that they're being told and whatnot. It's a lot to think about. It's They're both very, very sad stories in different ways, but similar uh, kind of narratives, I guess you could say. So definitely recommend those two if you are sitting on the couch this week. The other thing in reality TV world, since I've been on my Love Island BS, I joined Bachelor Nation. That was one of my favorite moments of 2023. For the first time tonight, Monday, so you'll be listening to this after the fact, I'll let you know how it goes. Senior Botanista and I are finally going to try to link up once a week 
and watch a show in real time together. When I was in high school, my best friend's family was amazing at this. I think a lot of people still do it, but it definitely is, you know, it's sort of a college thing when your friends are still home, maybe after college. And I know people do it now, but I feel like maybe it's dwindled away or I just don't have that many friends is having like a night. Like when I was in high school with my best friend's family, it was American Idol night. And it was so much fun, especially in the winter. It's something to look forward to. It happens every week. You just get out after work or school for a couple hours. You watch the show together. There was always food and dessert, maybe different themes of what we were eating and drinking that night. But it really helps the winter season, I think, in particular, go by fast. And instead of just being in a group chat to talk about something after the fact, being able to watch it in real life was always so much fun. And of course, back in the American Idol times when I was watching it with them, there really was no group chats and texting. You know, I was still on my BlackBerry at that point or my Envy uh, Verizon phone. So tonight, again, Monday, is the premiere of The Bachelor with Joey. So I had fully watched charity season. So I know Joey. I'm aware of who he is. He's now the bachelor. He's the perfect bachelor candidate. Of course, he's super handsome. He's a tennis instructor. I think it's going to be a good one. There's 32 bachelorettes, which is a shit ton. But of course, 8 to 10 p.m. My mom usually goes to bed at 6.30 p.m. So right now, my pre-bachelor thoughts with Senior B, not high hopes at all. Not feeling like this is going to work out for her. My only other plan B would be like to have her over on Tuesdays and then we could start it at like six. But, you know, I need to keep it moving. I need to not see spoilers. I want to be real time with it. So she comes over all the time. It's not like we need this night to like bond or see each other. She's over here, you know, four nights a week or something pretty much every single weekend. So we're not doing this to like force quality time together. But ever since those American Idol days, we've always said, hey, we need to just pick a show and watch it. And my mom's not really into, you know, like the uh, true detective, things like that. She really just kind of sticks with Bravo for the most part. So she is new to the Bachelor Nation. I prepped her with a little Love Island, Australia, just so she could kind of get get her bearings a little bit on the reality dating game. She didn't want to watch Golden Bachelor the first time. I don't know if it's like too close to home, but of course I am grooming her to become the Golden Bachelorette. So I think this will be good for her if she can stay up. So more to come on that, but I am excited for Joey. I feel like he's a good fit. Uh, he's easy on the eyes. There's no doubt about it. I'm not usually, I'm not into like dark haired guys. Typically he's not like my type. You know, they always ask, what's your type on these shows? He's not necessarily my type, but I think he fits the mold of a bachelor perfectly. So I'm very much looking forward to that. If you're part of bachelor nation, shout me out. We can, you know, do the virtual DM chat week after week if you're going to be watching. But I'm in on reality TV right now. This past, you know, six months or so, I've really just freaking dove in headfirst. And I feel, though, it's uh, better late than never. You know, I, I can't not do this. I need to find some other passions in life. And TV is just where I'm sticking with it in the winter. So we'll see what happens with The Bachelor. couple thoughts on Love Island Australia while I'm here. You don't think reality TV can be educational. The Australian lingo, the things that they say are just giving me pure joy. I am 
well aware of like British speak and slang and humor and in popular words that they say. But the Australians, they just have a different vibe at it, baby. Like I can't even I'm not comfortable practicing my Australian accent with you today. I feel that that is a way harder to nail. And I've been spending years perfecting my British accent. Australian, it's a weird mix of like country in a way. And then I do feel that there is some sort of British in it. But they say that they kept saying, oh, his rig is insane. I'm like, what is his rig? They're like, I love his rig. Oh, his rig is so hot. It's his body. So now I'm going to be watching The Bachelor tonight. Oh, his rig. I love his rig. I love how they say like keen on. That's a British thing. Like, oh, I'm, I'm so keen on him. Like, we just don't say shit like that. I think it's so funny. I love learning these other phrases from other, you know, dialects and parts of the world. I just think it's so funny. It's a little bit of a learning curve. Sometimes they say shit on Love Island Australia that I have no idea what they're even saying. But calling someone's body their rig is in. That is in for 2024. Uh, just a couple more things. Uh, oh, I'm just going to say two things. Okay. Number one, if you are not mixing meats in 2024, what are you doing? I don't think people are very interested in my cooking content, and that's okay because I'm not the most consistent chef, though I have of course, gotten so much better. And I've talked about cooking a lot here and there on this show over the years. I don't find that there's necessarily a space for cooking content on my platform. I do want to try the viral chickle though. Maybe I should use a Harvey's pickle to create the viral chickle where people just put like a slice of cheese down and let it get really bubbly. But mixing meats is something that I've been doing in some classic recipes lately. And again, kind of a cozy staying home, you know, winter feeling. I just want to make sure you guys are doing this. For example, I started doing it with my lasagna, mixing. My mom always just made it with ground beef growing up, but as you get a little bit more sophisticated, you're interested in incorporating some new flavors. Doing a lasagna with a ground beef and a ground sausage, so much better, so much more flavor. Now, I think a lot of people are probably already into this because of more of the healthy realm. Like I'm sure, you know, we all know by now you can make a turkey chili, which is a little bit more healthy and still kind of, you know, basically replicated 100%. So maybe if you need to make healthier lasagna, you could do ground turkey and something. But ground sausage, highly underutilized, I believe. Maybe because sausage is bad for you. I don't really care. Mix your meats. Last night, shepherd's pie, a homey, cozy, classic. You can get it at Old Brian Inn. You can get it at Parting Glass. I think the locals, shepherd's pie in Saratoga on Beekman is probably the best around town unless you want to come to my address. My shepherd's pie, ground beef and ground lamb. Ground lamb has such a nice flavor. Fresh rosemary is also forward in like all of my recipes right now, especially in the shepherd's pie. It just adds a whole new dimension. So I just want to put the feelers out there that you should be mixing meats, okay? You should be mixing meats just like the girls on Love Island Australia are, even though they should be wrapping up their meats and we should be breaking off the case of the ground sausage to make sure that it works in our recipes. Last but not least, you don't need to know this, but I just want to let you know in advance, I am the proud owner of a new cowboy hat. I've been wanting a cowboy hat for a while. 
Violets in Saratoga also. This is a nice little local episode. 50% off right now. It's one of their biggest sales of the year. A lot of stores locally right now are trying to clear out all of their winter merch, maybe some past season, spring and summer, so they can get all their new inventory in. So if you want to support local and shop local during the colder months, Highly recommend checking out some of these sales. Violets, you can shop online. They've always made it very easy to buy online, uh, pick up in store, or I do believe they will ship it to you. But they sell Lack of uh, lack of Color hats, which is based in Australia, speaking of Australia. And I always get a few of their hats, whether they're on sale or not. They're just my favorite brand of hats to have. When I was blonde, I wore a lot more hats. I'm not wearing as many now, but... I finally got what I would consider to be a cowboy hat. The price was right. It's not too big of an investment. No idea what I'm going to wear it with. It's cream colored. I don't picture myself being a bride that wears like a lot of white. That's just not, I don't really think that's how I'm going to approach my bridal style. But there was a part of me that was like, okay, maybe this has a place somewhere in my wardrobe over the next you know, year or so as I enter that new chapter. But more even than that, I've just always wanted some kind of cowboy hat. I think I almost bought like a really, you know, kind of cheaper one last year at Target, but I wasn't sure. Hats are a huge pain in the bum to travel with. I always bring one on the plane. I get committed to wearing it on the plane and then I never wear it again on the trip, which is just always joke on me. So I don't think it will necessarily be a travel hat. I'm not really sure what my intentions are with it, but it feels good to check it off my list. It's something that I've been eyeing for a long time. I hope that it is well received when I do wear it. I saw a very funny meme today that said, when you go out running errands wearing a hat and you're afraid everyone is going to realize you're not actually a hat person and that you're just faking it, unlike the actual hat people who are allowed to wear hats in a normal and casual way. I can relate to that so much. I feel, I don't know if this is the right word because I don't really know what this means, imposter syndrome, but I think that's kind of how I feel and many of us feel when we try a new style, especially something that's really trendy, you know? I get excited about it. I'm curious about it. I want it, but I'm afraid as soon as I get it on, people are going to know, oh, she's not really a blank girl. You know, she's just trying to do it because it's trendy. I think you got to let a little bit of that go. You got to own it. You got to be able to just wear it because of course that is so silly. People are not looking at you going, oh, she doesn't usually wear hats. You know, like right now you should be wearing a mother freaking beanie because it's six degrees out, not worrying about, you know, if people are going to know if you wore a beanie for the first time or you've worn a beanie a hundred times. But I totally get it because there's just some people that just look so natural and comfortable in hats. Maybe it is a vibe and an energy that they give off, but trying a new style, always intimidating. Cowboy hat, I'm going to have to really curate a nice outfit to go with it, but great opportunity to take advantage of a local sale and try something new. So if you see me in a cowboy hat, just know a lot of thought went into it and I'm very excited about it. I almost wore it to the reptile convention, but I didn't. So that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I will see you next Tuesday. And when she's dressed that thing around, everybody be breaking their neck like, who that girl? Who